I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And you're listening to the Fraser Podcast. And here, as always, playing his Niles to my Martin, it's David. And it's always a pleasure to be here with a nice Pinot and some classical music. I'm looking forward to indulging in this show. <laughs> well, I have my beer and I've got my feet up, so I'm ready to go as well. <laughs> uh, of course, that's in reference to our theme music, which both David and my wife said, that sounds like the Frasier theme. What are you doing? And I thought, ah, it's, I think we'll have something different for these uh, these review episodes. Yeah, it's always good to do something different and, hey, whatever. Exactly. So, wow, here we are. It's it's all on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Doctor Who has started again, and we've seen an episode. I still don't quite believe that Doctor Who is back. It's almost come from nowhere, and it's been so long, and suddenly here we are, Easter Sunday, and Doctor Who's back. Exactly. I knew going to bed last night, well, early this morning, when I woke up, it would be just there on ABC iView. You know, <laughs> it seems so strange. Yeah, not just there, but you open the iView app and it's there. It's the big thing. It's the lead. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, these are our review episodes. We haven't done these before, although we sort of had a, a pilot of them when we did our class reviews last year, I guess. P- pardon the pun. <laughs> we have a format. And the first thing we'd like to do each week is throw out a word, just one word, from each of us that describes how we feel about the episode. It could be very obvious, it could be very cryptic, it depends on the week, I guess, and the episode. So, Dave, are you ready to give us your word? Yes, Rob, my one word for this week is knowing. Knowing. Okay, my word for this week, perhaps less cryptic, is confident. Okay, you could could actually overlap those two, I think. I think so. (laughs) We may be on the same page with this. Shall we discuss the episode? Yeah, so, you know, straight off the top, Rob, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? Absolutely. Absolutely. As I've already said to a few people on uh, Twitter, including Rye Silverman just a few moments ago, this had the tone, the pace, everything. It was just pitched exactly where I thought this whole series would be, let alone the first episode back, and it just ticked all the boxes that I had. It's not a perfect episode. I won't be giving it 10 out of 10, folks, but it pretty much did what I thought it would do. So I'm like, hey, this is a really promising start. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's interesting. I went into this first episode with a certain amount of trepidation because when I look at the entirety of the new series, I struggle to think of a season opener that I think is really, really good. A lot of them, I think, because they're so bogged down with the weight and this knowing weight of trying to be a season opener that they actually don't tell a good story Mm. this is one of the better ones by far i think that although it does have some baggage in terms of being a season opener it still manages to tell a reasonably good story without despite that baggage so I, i i'm like you i'm not going to give it a 10 but i did enjoy it I do think it's weighed down a bit by season opener baggage, but it still tells a good story, and I still enjoyed it. So it's a positive reaction from me. Yeah, and look, I I tried... Well, I definitely didn't look at anything on social before I saw the episode, and I've tried not to look at too much since seeing it. Indeed, we've only just seen it, so we didn't have much time to look at social between seeing it and making this recording. But what I've seen is people basically saying the same. It's like... Yeah, Doctor Who's back. That was great. Can't wait for next week. Yeah, I've literally only seen uh, one Facebook post 
And when I turned on Twitter this morning, and Twitter gives you that things you might have missed overnight little thing, uh, there are a couple of Doctor Who-related comments in there, both of which were positive, so... Yeah. And I guess a, a lot of this episode spends time on Bill. You know, we get to see and learn an awful lot about Bill in this episode, perhaps at the expense of the threat of the week, which is maybe not as well fleshed out or as interesting, but it was still interesting. But we really, really got to see a lot of Bill. We got to understand why she was there, how she becomes involved with the Doctor. And it was quite fun. It was quite entertaining. I really enjoyed this introduction to Bill. And, you know, I I guess my question to you is, and I'd, I'd love to know because you've been wondering, oh, what's Bill going to be like over the last month or two particularly? How did she come across to you here? Well, let me just start by agreeing with the point you made about the plot being slightly light on, but validly so, because as you say, it's making room for the introduction. And then that's what I say about it having the baggage of a season opener. It's got to reintroduce us to the Doctor. It's got to introduce us to Bill. So there isn't room for a full plot, which is, you know, I I think is a shame um, because the plot should be more important. But I get get why it happens. (sighs) Bill, Uh, I haven't decided yet. Really? I haven't decided yet. I certainly wasn't having a Donner-esque reaction of, oh, my God, this person is so annoying and I have to put up with her for another year. Mm -hmm. That is definitely not what I'm having. Uh, Neither am I having that Billy Piper and Rose moment when you go, she's really good. I really like her. Uh, I'm somewhere in between. There were moments I thought, that was a really nice moment from her. There are other moments I thought, that was a really awful moment for her. And... I think because, again, we're just seeing bits of her sort of thrown up against the wall character-wise. We haven't seen her just being a natural dealing with something person. And um, it might take a couple of episodes to really shake out how she's going to be. I I haven't decided yet. I'm really, really open on her. Okay, good. But once we got past, it's it's no longer a trailer with her questions like, what's this? What's that? Can I use the toilet? Blah, blah, blah. When they're not cut together really quickly and she's allowed to just breathe a little more, I, I, I'm guessing you thought, okay, you know, I'm, I might like her, you know? Oh, absolutely. She's certainly a much more rounded and enjoyable character than the trailer made her out to be. No doubt about that. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not saying I disliked her at all, but those moments were in there and a couple of them I think we'll talk about later on and that did drag her down a bit for me but and I thought there were also some very forced moments from her some very unnatural moments from her okay and that's um I I guess it's important we we, we need to split the difference between Pearl Mackey's performance and the dialogue she's given I think Pearl Mackey's performance was really good Uh, I, I probably should have led with that in hindsight I really thought her performance was very good there were bits of dialogue from her and bits of characterization from her that I thought were very knowing on the part of the script writer mm-hmm. and drew me a bit out of the character. And that's why I say I want to see a more natural, just just her in, in the middle of a story before I really get to judge her. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, look, let's move away from Bill for the moment and talk the Doctor because this is something I noticed at the start and I thought... Is this going to continue? If so, I'm very excited. And it did continue for the episode. And what I noticed from the start was the Doctor seemed very focused. He seemed to know what he was doing. 
he's there at the university on a mission just in his conversation in general he was like right on top of things we seem to have got past this you know with clara like he wouldn't notice that she was female or that she was wearing makeup or or, or whatever it might be and you just had these they were there for humor but it, it, i always found them quite inane that this man who was so awesomely intelligent could be that stupid Whereas yeah. here, he just seemed to be just like right on it and sharp. And he still had funny lines and so on. But he, there was a slightly different feel about the doctor this time around. And I thought he just seemed focused. I thought this was Capaldi as the doctor. Unquestionably the doctor. The doctor without caveats. The doctor without difficult moments. He was just the doctor. And we've seen flashes of that in a few episodes in the last couple of years. Um, uh, Before the Flood was one example, I think, that people highlighted. But this, yeah, this was great. I really loved Capaldi in this. Yeah, he he had an answer for everything. He was was sharp. Uh, Yeah, I just really, really liked the way he appeared here. And and already I want to go out here in the first episode and say it, because I've certainly said it a few times on social, I think this series he will finally nail it and i think at the end of the series everyone will just be appalled that he's going (laughs) and he should have done a fourth series yeah i I tend to agree i think that this could be really really good i mean he's for the first time not weighed down with the baggage of clara Mm. um and 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 even you know I, i i was kind of worried that even with clara not there should be there Mm, well, her theme music was. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it's funny. Um, whenever people talk about Clara and how to fix her, I'm always I'm always reminded of that bit in The Simpsons in the Poochie episode. And I can sort of imagine Stephen Moffat sitting there one day saying, people don't like Clara very much. I've got a solution. Clara needs to be better, more awesome, and have access to a time machine. Well, that happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and point two, whenever Clara's not there, other characters should be saying, where's Clara? Yeah. And that happened for a bit as well. <laughs> So I'm glad that the poochie-fying of Clara has been moved on. Look, whether you loved or hated Clara, that's fine. I, I, I'm not here to revisit the Clara discussion. Simply to say that, I felt that she'd weighed down Capaldi's doctor. She's now out of the way, and that's a good thing, because I think we're seeing Capaldi now free to basically start afresh and do his thing without holdovers from the Matt Smith era. Yes, and had she left when she was supposed to leave in the Christmas special before last, we could have been doing this series last series. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to say it could have been, because what we got today was good. Exactly. Exactly right. And and I'm not trying to be negative either. I just, You know when you just have those what-ifs? Like, what if Tom Baker had done one less series? What if this? What if that? You can have all these what-ifs about Doctor Who. It's, it's, we do it as fans, I think, don't we? Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, I think it's important, though, that we don't let that detract from what is overall a positive point. Capaldi was great in this. Yes, and he was even wearing that sort of bummy look with the uh, hoodie for a part of it, and I, I didn't even get disappointed about that. So, so there's that. Well, I think it was interesting. I didn't really notice that until right at the end when there was a really there was a really obvious shot of him from behind where the hood was really clear and you couldn't help but miss it. But up until then, I wasn't finding myself distracted by, oh, what's he wearing today or how's he doing that? I just found him being the Doctor. And I think it's really good when the Doctor's costume is there and it is part of the character, but it's not defining or distracting you from the character. Mm, Exactly. 
and a couple of times in um, New Who uh, that that has happened. The character, uh, and, and in old Who, I mean, let's face, it, we had the Colin Baker era, yeah. but. You know, there there are moments, and this is why people I think hated the question marks in original Who. There are moments when you go, the costumes distracting me because it's so overt. Mm. I, I wasn't distracted by the the, the costume here. It, just, it was just what he was wearing, and that's how it should be. Yeah, excellent. Well, look, the the third in this triumvirate is Nardol. Obviously, uh, has caused a lot of controversy with fans, a lot of dislike for Matt Lucas in general out there, but here he's the Doctor's valet, he's quite robotic, as we learned in the opening scene, and I I thought he was quite alright. In fact, maybe even quite good. What were your thoughts on Nardol? Yeah, no. Yeah, no? Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, we're going to have to disagree on this one. And, and let me explain why. My concern about Nardol at this stage, and we've now had a couple of episodes, is uh, very similar to my problems or at least one of my problems with Strax as a character. And that is that they're tonally one note. So Nardle is there seemingly to be a comic relief guy who is always looking for the gag or the writer is always looking to put the gag in. Oh, Nardle's in the scene, therefore he must have a gag. He must have a funny line. He must lighten the moment. Now that's good if the scene requires it or the scene fits with that tone. But if the scene doesn't fit with that tone, then I find it can be very grating. And I'm concerned that at times there were what should have been serious and dramatic scenes and that he did not fit the tone of them. Now, I was quite interested to see there was one scene down in the vault where just for a moment I thought, okay, we're going to see Nardal not going for the gag. He's he's actually being very serious and very um, aware and, and, and different. Mm. And then he went for a gag again and spoiled it all. So... There were moments going where I was just going, oh, maybe I'm going to start liking Nardle. Maybe he's got different facets. But no, no, he's gone for the gag. And I'm very worried that that Strax-like one tone is going to be out of place in a lot of scenes and detract from his character. Mm, yeah, I, I'm hoping there is a bit more scope in that area. I mean, in the Christmas special, he did deliver a serious line, you know, when he was saying, oh, look, her name's River Song and I'm looking after the Doctor and all that sort of stuff. He went very serious then. As you point out, he, he almost had a serious moment here. So I think it's 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 in him to do that, and maybe that's going to come out. But for this episode, maybe with Bill sort of the focus in this episode and there being sort of a serious you know, quite serious story there with this girl who's in love with her and all that and following her around the universe and so on because of it. Uh, maybe he did have to deliver the, the funny lines, like when she did ask about the toilet, he says, well, I wouldn't go in there for a moment or two. You know, I, I kind of found that line funny. Yeah, 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 so don't get me wrong. Where the funny line is merited, that, that's great. I don't have a problem with Doctor Who being funny. In fact, Capaldi had some really funny lines. And, and as did Lucas, my problem is that they seem to feel that he has to be funny all the time and people aren't funny all the time sometimes they're funny sometimes they're happy sometimes they're sad sometimes they're serious and if everybody else is switched to serious and Nardle's still oh hang on i've got to have a gag i've got to have a one-liner then that to me detracts from him as a character that said i fully concede some people that have that particular sense of humor will be lapping it up and loving it and and I'm not. It's not for me to tell them they're wrong, and not for me to say I'm right. I I just I'm worried, and I don't like that continual desire to have the gag. I didn't like it with Strax. Um, 
you know, it's part of my problem with Missy. I think Missy's always got that one over the top tone, even when it's not necessary. And that's my concern about Nardle. We saw it in this episode, as you said, and I agree, it could be that when we get into a story and he's got more to do, we will see more of him. And I'll be very happy if that happens, but I haven't seen it today. Okay. I, I get where you're coming from. And, and I, I think there is room to move and I, I hope they do move into that, that area. For me though, I, I, I quite liked him here. So now, I mentioned the threat a moment ago. Um, initially, with this person dripping water and, and the voice we heard underneath the puddle, I thought, is this some sort of Waters of Mars thing that's about to happen? I don't know whether you might have thought that. Uh, I didn't I didn't really think it. It did cross my mind very quickly. Cause I think the dripping water, you couldn't help but wonder about it. My mind was sort of searching for a, uh, something familiar. Um, the crotons even passed my mind at one point. Mm. Uh, let, let, let's go back. When we first encounter the puddle, there's a shot that comes afterwards looking up through it. And we've later learned that that's actually the viewpoint of the puddle itself. At first, I thought that was like a scanner, you know, looking from somewhere under the puddle, up through the puddle, into the rest of the world. Right, yes. Um, and I thought maybe there's, you know, there's a spaceship or something that's, you know, hidden beneath the, not either hidden beneath the puddle or the puddle's a portal to it or something like that. Mm. And so when I had these voices inside there going, oh, we found a pilot and everything, I thought, it's the Crotons! Because <laughs> uh, that was the setup for the Crotons. So I, I didn't ex- genuinely expect Crotons to suddenly appear, but, that, yeah, that was a little reference point that my mind went to. But I thought it, this was a very good adaptation of a Moffat trope because Moffat has regularly used this idea of something that's a little bit broken, Mm. And, and and how that plays out. And this was that trope again, but I thought it was done in a really clever and effective way. And the use of Heather to augment that added a different dimension to it. So this was Moffat going back to the well, and I suspect some people will complain, oh, this is Moffat going back to the well. But he went back to the well in a way that I thought was thoroughly interesting. Uh, it took me a while to work out what was going on. It was a good, It was a good going back to the well. It was a good new take on this yeah exactly i mean we've, we've had the half-faced man who was a bit broken but that immediately sort of directly linked back to the uh the ss gosh what was the name of that ship the ss the one from the girl in the fireplace uh madam 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 de pompadour madam de pompadour that's right so that was a direct time but here something is broken and not quite working and taking over someone and it was completely different so i agree he's gone back to the well but in a in a great way well well spotted actually yeah, it, it goes right back to the nanogenes from uh, the empty child. Mm. You know, that that was another example of something that was not quite working right. Um, the same with the medical ghost thing in uh, the black, not the black pearl. Curse the, of the black spot. Curse of the black spot. That one. I'm glad between us we can remember most of these episodes. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I will fully concede Curse of the Black Spot has not been one I've gone back and rewatched on a regular basis. No, no, me me either. In fact, I may have only seen it the once on transmission. Um, yeah, me too. Let's let's move on from that. Um, something about this threat, it's, it's a girl called Heather, and I, I think we've got to address this because on social over the last couple of weeks in particular, people have been saying, Oh my God, Moffat's written Bill in a in a lesbian relationship with someone called Heather. He's making a Bill Hartnell and Heather Hartnell illusion. My God, Bill Hartnell would be horrified at this. Moffat's taking the piss. Now, I don't 
agree with all of that. I think there is possibly a Bill and Heather Hartnell thing going on, like we had Verity and Sydney being the the parents of um, the Doctor back in uh, Tenants Day, you know, and that's nice. But Bill and Heather weren't really in a relationship, were they? They they Bill was introducing herself to her around the time they were going to the puddle, so it wasn't quite what people were thinking it was. And I don't think Moffat really deserved the stick that people were giving him based on something they didn't fully know because the episode hadn't come out yet. And I'll take a breath and hand over to you. Well, I'll take a breath as well because there's so many points I could make at this point. Mm. Um, Look, I I agree with you. And and my biggest point is this is the danger of leaks and teasers and social media and the modern community. This is absolutely the danger. You're totally right. Divorced from the reality of the episode, when you just hear Bill and Heather in a lesbian relationship, da 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 da, people can put that together and see it as a, a, a mocking of the heart of the Hartnells or a, a slightly gauche tribute or however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same when I when I saw that divorced from everything else. And it's just a fact presented to me. I, I did feel a little bit like, oh, do we really have? Do we have to be that knowing? Do we have to go there? Is that really classy? I think it's a bit tasteless. Had I just watched this episode without knowing, I can tell you, I would not have put together Bill and Heather Hartnell. Is that right? I, I, it would not have occurred to me because there's so much going on in that in inverted commas relationship. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have sat there with time to go, oh, Bill and Heather. Oh, Hart, the Hartnells were Bill and Heather. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have occurred to me. And by the time it did, I would have been so invested in the episode, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. And that's the big difference. It does beg the question, though, did it need to be there? Even if we're not, you know, abhorred by it, even if we think it's okay, did it actually need to be there? Well, there's a lot of things in this episode that didn't need to be there. And that's perhaps a, a topic we need to just come to next, because I think that's a larger topic, because this was not a standalone in that, that category. Mm. Uh, the relationship itself let let me let me say with my grumpy old school old fan classic fan hat on however you want to put it hang on i thought i was meant to be martin (laughs) (laughs) my when i first heard that bill was going to have a a same-sex relationship my problem was not that it was a same-sex relationship it's that it's a relationship it's not Mm. that she has a um, same-sex attracted sexuality. I just don't like my Doctor Who characters having a sexuality. I'm I'm an old school. I just like the companions to want to go on an adventure with the Doctor, and I don't care whether they're into boys, girls, pot plants. You know, <laughs> yes. just have a just have a, you know just 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 go off in time and space and have fun. Yeah. So that that was my concern, and and I did feel a bit of that coming through in the episode. There was, for for a guy that wrote an entire sitcom based around relationships, I thought that this was a very badly written relationship, mm. and and some of the lines were just lines that you couldn't imagine a human being saying, um, particularly Bill's line, "Oh, I, I wouldn't watch out for boys" or whatever it was. You know, there was a really obvious line there, yeah. which I, I'm I'm going to say I don't think worked because either if she is openly um, out to her mother. That would have been a loud and defiant comment. If she's not out to her mother and she's still, you know, not not gone through that process, you wouldn't risk saying that. Mm. That that line just made no sense in any iteration. It was only there 
so that we could flag in a sledgehammer manner to the audience bills into girls heather's a girl she might be into heather and then we get the well we've looked at each other in a pub once now we're in now we're in a relationship enough that heather's once killed is going to travel around the universe after this person she once looked past in a pub so <laughs> while love will tear us apart quite knowingly was on the jukebox yeah you know i think this would have worked better had they actually been in a relationship for three months six months and that would have given it more emotional impact and it would have made more sense exactly and bill seemed in this episode to be more into the the girl that she fatted as she said by giving her all those chips <laughs> Well, that, that that as well. I, look, I, I'm not going to make a big deal of this, but if you're somebody who believes that Moffat writes female characters badly and you suddenly had somebody going, they're no longer attractive because they've put on weight, I can just imagine what people are going to make of that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm torn because I liked the story and I liked the way it worked and I liked the way it ended and I, I liked so much of it. But there were just some clunky bits of dialogue that, for me, really stood out as being unnatural and was a shame. But th- that's that's us looking for it. That's us sitting here doing a review, piece, p- picking it apart. For the casual viewer, I don't think it would have mattered. And that's, again, I suppose the danger of these these reviews. Yeah, yeah. Shall we, before we get to our scores, shall we go through any like quick things we just want to acknowledge were there I want to acknowledge the way that this was shot. Um, I've no idea who the director is um, because I, as soon as it finished, I was writing my notes and getting ready to talk to you, so I stopped, forgot to stop and look at the credits. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was brilliantly shot. Yeah. Whether it was the stuff in the doctor's little office, whether it's the stuff outside the university, some of the location stuff um, I'm going to talk about later, I thought this was really, really well shot. I love the look of this whole episode. I've jotted down something here too. It's actually at the top of my notes and I haven't mentioned it yet. Location work equals great. I thought it looked really good too. Yeah, and that, that really helped to this wonderful feel. And and I, and I stress here, listeners, if you think that either of us, myself particularly, have been a bit negative on some of the little bits of it, please don't think that I wasn't allowing the majority of it, the way that it looked, the way that it felt, the way the story unfolded, mm. I was enjoying it. There were bits of it that I do need to pick at, but most of it carried me through in a really good way. Absolutely. A quick thing from me, and, you know, we're both old school fans. We both mentioned that already in this episode. Mavellans, how can we not mention them? Well, and this is what I was saying. I think we need to get to the, there were lots and lots of little things in there that were dropped in in a very knowing way for uh, us old school fans. It started with the two photos on the desk. Yes, there was then that little box of more sonic screwdrivers than I knew existed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> He's got the Peter Davison one back that got destroyed. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I always sort of think of the sonic screwdriver that went through Pertwee and Baker and Davison as kind of being the same one. But clearly, you know, there were lots of them, but I'm not that into sonic screwdrivers. So I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yes. And then there were the Mavellans. You know, there, there were all these little things. Um, and I think they were mostly handled very well. Now, let, 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 let's get nerdy here. The Mavellas is a really interesting one from a nerdy Doctor Who fan point of view because the Doctor says they've gone into the past. Right. Now, we know roughly the time of the Dalek-Mavellan War because Resurrection of the Daleks 
is the end of that war, and that takes place in the future. And the moment when the Daleks would still in their stalemate after meeting the Mavellans was 90 years before that, because Davros is, I'm thinking, the prison for 90 years. So Destiny of the Daleks takes place 90 years before Resurrection, so therefore is 90 years less in the future, but still in our future. Yes. Yes, yep. I'm thinking of the present-day scenes of Resurrection, thinking mid-'80s, but no, no, I, I get what you're saying. Where? Yep. Yeah, yep. the actual Mavellan War was in the future. The Doctor said that they, these, this moment was in the past. However, mm-hmm. we've had the Time War since then. Of course. So, first of all, we can't sit there and go, oh, they've got their continuity wrong. We, we can't say that because the Time War gives them a clean slate. So, in this new timeline, the Daleks met the Mavellans earlier and had an outright battle rather than a stalemate. Yes, yes. And do you know what I liked about it? They didn't linger too long on the costumes because the costumes are quite silly looking, but what we saw yes. of them actually looked really good. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. They had just enough from just the right angle to go, hey, cool Mavellans, they look all right. You're right, had there been a, um, a, a close-up of them, I think a lot of people who didn't know what a Mavellan was would go, what the hell are they thinking? Yeah, what are those wigs? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I do wonder, though, whether there was just Mavellans there, because we heard a lot of screaming, and I don't really think of Mavellans as screaming. Good point. Good point. I, I'm i not sure there was anyone else there. I thought they were just making them scream. But yeah, I don't think they would scream, being robotic and all. No. And did you notice in that same scene that a lot of what we had from Bill's intro was cut? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I thought, oh, this is where we're going to see that segment. And it was, yeah, massively cut down. But there was yeah. an element of it in there. There was. The stuff that we said should have been cut was cut. So for those who say that Moffat never listens and never does what the fans want, hey, he cut that awful dialogue. Praise to him. Praise Moffat. Um, Another quick thing, of course, a nod to Australia. Obviously, our best capital city uh, was included in this episode. Dave? Well, it's only a state capital. Unlike Melbourne, it's never been a national capital. (laughs) I was wondering when you'd reuse that line. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, now let's let's because we are we are an Australian-based podcast, so let's take a moment to go. Yeah, woo, Australia. Now I, I as soon as I saw it, I was of course trying to work out where they were standing. Now, at first I thought they would have to be on the point where Admiralty House and Curability House are, opposite Benelung Point. Mm. But when you actually go back and look at it, and I sent you that screenshot, they're actually a little bit further into the bay than that. So they must be standing pretty much right underneath the northern foot of the harbour bridge do you know what i'm just going to bring it up here it's almost like they're standing on a ferry <laughs> they're almost in the middle of the harbour <laughs> yeah it's a really odd shot if if they're not on a ferry they have to be just under the bridge which is why you can't see the bridge because you can't see center point tower which threw me yeah but look to me looking at the frame he's he's on a ferry there's certainly no cafeteria that looks like that around there <laughs> This is, oh God, this is taking me back to a new series adventure set in Sydney and it was just all so wrong. Oh God, I'm <laughs> going to cry, Dave. Let's move on. Yeah, we, we, we should, we should. So listeners, you can say that we've done our, our proper analysis of where they're standing in Sydney and it doesn't quite work. <laughs> uh, anything else quick? I'm just looking. Oh, I love the line where she, where Bill decided that the TARDIS could go anywhere in the university and it was a nice play on universe and university. Yeah, yeah, there were lots of little good pieces like that. I, I did enjoy that. All right. I think that leaves us just to give it a score. So will you or I go first for this first episode? Uh, 
it's your turn to go first. My turn to go first. All right. I'm very confidently, and that takes me back to my word of the episode, giving it an 8 out of 10. I think there's room for improvement. I think there's room for like 9 out of 10, like that was a really, really, really good episode, and there's room for 10 out of 10. Oh, my God, that blew my mind. But this is right up there. So for me, 8 out of 10. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm going to give it a 7. It's a very happy 7. It's a very good 7. Uh, had this been just a story without the baggage of the opener, I think I would have very happily given it an eight. And I could, look, I could have given it an eight. You know, who, who cares what scores we're giving it? You know, let's let's not get too obsessed. I could have given it an eight. I, I've gone for the seven just because I did think it was weighed down a bit too much by the need to introduce things. But it was a very happy, very pleasant seven. All righty. And to explain our words, perhaps mine, the confidence was this episode just started. We're Doctor Who. We're doing this. The Doctor's back. It just felt confident all the way through, like, you know, it just flowed for me. And that that's what I feel when I say confident about this episode. Yeah, I'm very similar. Knowing in that they know how to do the Doctor now, they know how to make Doctor Who now, it felt very knowing and confident, as you say, in the, what it was doing. But there were also lots of little knowing moments. There were knowing nods to the past. Uh, it was very much unashamedly knowing of what it was doing and just putting stuff out there to love or hate. Fair enough. Shall we cross across to the sports desk? Let's go. So here we are at the sports desk. And listeners, if you recognise our sports desk theme, please tweet us. We'd love to know somebody recognised it. We would indeed, we would indeed. This is uh, also a new segment. We've never done this before. Um, but Dave, you had the idea to look at the MVP of the week, the player of the week, and the foul of the week. That's right. So to give these reviews a little bit more structure and make sure they're not too flabby and they've got a few dot points to cross, uh, we're going to have these regular segments on the sports desk. So, Rob, you know what? I'll start this time. My most valued player for the episode. Yes. I don't know whether this is going to become boring as the season goes across. I hope. In some ways, it doesn't. It doesn't. I've got to go Peter Capaldi for this one. One of his best performances to date. The star of the episode. Wonderful. Peter Capaldi made this episode, and that's a good thing. Look, I, I quite agree with you, but I have given it to someone even more obvious in the form of Bill, because I think the whole episode was based around Bill, and I think she did really, really well. Okay, that's perfectly fair. But look, if, if our two lead characters are getting MVP between us, that's not a bad thing for the series. I completely agree. Shall we move on to the play of the week? Uh, yeah, so what's your play, Rob? I think it's Bill having the strength to dump Heather after they actually... Like, she's she's already being told to, you know, tell Heather it's over just verbally. But then after they actually hold hands and she's shown this... I assume it's this life they could have together, this fantasy life where they're in love and they're wearing fabulous dresses and having cocktails and things, and she still has the strength to say, no, you're dumped, essentially. I thought that was the play of the week. It showed strength from Bill. It was what had to be done. Great play. Yeah, I thought that was very well done. If I was going to be cynical, I'd say it's probably not that hard to dump somebody you really don't know. <laughs> Which which comes back to my fault with the episode, sorry. But no, the way it was done was really, really nice, and I, I get exactly why you've picked it. Yeah, but she was being shown so many things. She was being tempted, Dave. That was, you know, even though no, she no, didn't no, know I, her. I, I get that. I get that bit. Okay, what's yours? 
Uh, I'm going for the sequence on the rock planet that they visit when he's first showing Bill what the TARDIS can do. From the moment when they you see the TARDIS in this location that's just beautifully created and looks so luscious, and then they go outside and he gets to say, you know, this is an alien planet, and he gets that lovely little whimsical moment of, um, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if the sky was made of lemon drops? Oh, God, that was great. Yes. And there's just... It was just such a doctoress moment, but there's a there's a whole little bit of dialogue and a little package around that that looks beautiful. The dialogue's lovely, and I just thought this: if you needed to say to somebody what is the magic of Doctor Who, mm. show them that scene because the magic of Doctor Who was encapsulated in that wonderful scene. So that was my play of the week. I did like that. I love that line. And actually, now that you've brought it more to my attention, when I rewatch tonight when it's on telly. Uh, rather than just on iView, I think I'll pay particular attention to that scene. Yeah, I think I think that's a good one. Great. So, fouls. Do you know I was really struggling with this? Um, well, let me perhaps go with mine. Okay. Uh, and this, again, I don't know if it's going to be a recurring thing. It was a couple of the Bill questions. The one about where's the toilet, I thought, look, it, I thought it was a bit... bit forced a bit gauche but whatever okay i kind of get it i'll excuse it because it is a human characteristic or whatever uh where she asks why tardis is in english right yeah if you if you're going to pick on something that doesn't make sense within the law of the series at least have an answer Mm. you know if you're going to go all meta and say so why does tardis have an abbreviation in english when he could have so easily just said well, because at the time that we named it, my granddaughter and I were living in England, and so we were speaking English. Yeah. Like it, it just had to be. That's all you needed to make that okay. But if you're going to make fun of the series and you don't have an answer and you just leave it hanging, then you're kind of just saying, "Well, the series has made a mistake here." Yeah, and I guess this is what we get when someone who is such a big fan is is writing the episode. They will throw in stuff like this and think it's really clever and funny, and 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 they want to put in things like this. If it was someone who didn't re- wasn't really steeped in Doctor Who, but was just a good writer, this this line would have never came up at all. Yeah, and and I go back. I mean, Moffat said that this was his intent that Bill would be asking the questions that people haven't asked for fifty years. Well, maybe if people haven't asked them for 50 years, there's a good reason why not. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't want to see more of that. I don't want to see more of that. Fair enough. I did come up with a foul of the week after, you know, really struggling because I thought this episode is, is quite good. And it's something we've already mentioned. And that's that the creature sort of has limited time for us to get to know it. it it's not really fleshed out incredibly well. It's not bad. It is It is still interesting. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, it's Moffat going back to the well and finding something interesting there. So I, it's not a, a criticism of the creature per se, but if I had to pick one foul, it's just that we have to spend so much time with Bill, quite rightly, introducing her, that the, the Monster of the Week doesn't really get a good sort of outing. Yeah, that's, that's a really good call. And you've just summarised there basically why I took this from an eight to a seven. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Fair enough. Shall we wrap up? Okay, so the first thing we want to do to finish the episode is fan watch. What's going to really annoy and get the fans talking this week? Uh, I'm going to go for the photo of Riversong incessantly on the table. I think if you're a Riversong disliking person, that would have driven you nuts. Yes, 
I think so. Um, particularly as when we're talking about the Christmas episode, we were so sure that, oh, that'll be the end of River. She is done now for good. <laughs> but she's back. <laughs> yep, I think there'll be some talk about the Mavellans. And I'll be interested to see if any fans do get irritated about the way that Moffat wrote a, a same-sex female relationship. Mm. Given given that there's been a lot of talk in the past that I've never really quite understood that Moffat can't write for women, I'll be really interested to see how fans react to that. Absolutely. I've jotted down a couple here. What is in the vault? What is his mission at the university? And who did he promise? Now, I can't even remember the line about promising. He must have said it because I've written it down here. But obviously, I remember the vault very well. And he did specifically say he has a mission there. So I think that could be a bit of an arc that might come back. Although we're about to do arc watch. I maybe should have thrown it into that category. Yeah, I was just thinking that. (laughs) Well, let's go to arc watch then, Rob. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, look, you, you've picked very very much what I had. I, I noted that in, I think, every season that Moffat has been the showrunner for, in the first episode, he has always introduced both or at least the MacGuffin of the series and generally also some aspect of the big bad of the series. Mm. So I was looking for that, and I think the vault is going to play a role in the MacGuffin of the series. Yes. And there was also very quickly, there was a little item that he sort of mentioned to Nardle when he was down in the vault that I wondered whether that's going to turn out to be more specifically the MacGuffin. But it was very, very quick and I could just be seeing things. Okay. What I've jotted down here, I I really should have jotted down about what is in the vault for the arc, but I've jotted down a line here. The line of dialogue is, you're safe in here and always will be. And I thought, you know, it's one thing to say to someone, you're safe in the TARDIS. It's perfectly normal, makes sense. But, and you always will be. Does that need to be there? Or is that because something will happen where she's not safe in the TARDIS? Yeah, yeah, good call. That could be a little bit of foreshadowing that maybe something is going to happen. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it could be something, could be nothing, but I noted it and I just thought, hmm, does that play into something later on? Yeah, if this was episode two or three, I might ignore it. But as I say, Moffat really does lay a lot of his arc down in the first episode consistently. So if he's true to form, there will be stuff in there. Yeah. He loves to go back at the end and say, look, I told you all this in the first episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, I think we've enjoyed this first episode. Yeah, I have. I've, absolutely. Excellent. Well, we'll convene again in a week's time. And if you out there have anything to say, please write in hello at the dwshow.net and tell us your thoughts. So next week we'll be joining you to review the episode Smile, but until then I've been Dave. And I've been Rob. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash The DW Show is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.